Welcome back to early church. And some of y'all are like, early church? It's 11 o'clock. That's right, we're lazy. <laughs> so we tried this uh, 4 p.m. church thing, and it was a failure. Why is everybody on this side of the room? Is, uh, what's, I feel like I need to move over there. So we tried this 4 p.m. thing, and it just didn't work. So thank you guys for being patient with us as we tried. <clears throat> Say it's funny. Everybody hated it until we switched back to 1030, and now they loved it when they had to get up. So it's been a couple of Sundays since we've met like this, and we've had a couple of birthdays come and go. Justin's head just snapped. So I need, I need Justin to come on up, Robin to come on up. Daniel to come on up. Who else? You guys, any y'all? Y'all tell on each other, somebody. Who we missing? Come on. Come on. <coughs> Is somebody else hiding back there that's not telling the truth on a birthday? Is somebody else hiding back there that's not telling the truth on a birthday? Huh? Come on, Olivia. Huh? Oh, he, John said it was. All right, we're going to sing happy birthday to him. All right, we uh, we have a tradition of a ten minute speech. All right, hey Eli, can you help me with a couple of slides back there? Because I left my phone back there. Can you? I'm just gonna like run through a couple of quick announcements before we worship. Can you do the texting? The the I'm sorry. The uh, yes, that one. So if you guys don't know our website, it's followhimwithus.com. Thank you, Daniel. And we also have an app on our on the App Store, Google Play. Follow him with us. That's where you get all the updates of all the stuff we're going to do. So I just want to remind everybody, if you download the app, you can go into the calendar events and you can see something like today or like serving the elderly on Thanksgiving Day and things like that. And you can just hit the little add button and it throws it right on your calendar. So website. Also where we have all of our sermons and everything, it's on both. Everything that's on one is on the other. And then if you still use our Facebook, we still update Facebook, and we still have a texting app. For those that are getting the notifications on the app, let me know, and I'll take you off the texting so you're not getting doubled up. We do have a few things that I don't have slides for. We have men's group here tomorrow night at 6.30. John is the only one that is ever excited about that. <laughs> you guys are welcome to join us if you want to. 6.30. Tomorrow at 6.30, John, open your app, go to events, go to men's group, hit the plus button. You are a surgeon. You can do this, okay? Women's group, 
Wednesday at 6.30. So you guys are failing. Huh? Do you want me to go over all that again? It's in the app. Men's group tomorrow, 6.30. Women's group Wednesday, 6.30. No church next week because we've been doing a lot and we all need some rest. And it's getting close to Thanksgiving. Then on the 25th, this is huge, on the 25th, that's Thanksgiving Day, we are going to go serve meals to the elderly at Broadway Towers and what's the other place? Maryville Towers. So Robin, who is super detailed oriented, oh, there she is, is going to get us details between now and the 25th of what time and where to be and how many. But if you guys could do me a favor and let me know if you're planning to come so we'll know how many people to plan spots for, okay? Everybody good there? All right, so the past couple of weeks, God has given us a, just a crazy amount of opportunities to serve in our communities. And we're going to talk about that more today because I want you guys to know the impact you're having as a small church in our communities. But right now, I want to honor those that have served over the past two weeks. So if you served by going to Clover Hill Senior Living, if you served by being a part of True Purpose, the True Purpose Awards event last Sunday, or if you served by being a part of Thursday Night Street Hope event, please stand up. Thank you. Please give them a huge hand. So, no, you got to keep standing. I'm just kidding. I don't think we spend enough time honoring the people that honor other people. The servants are the ones that do all the work, and then they get left out of the thanks and all that, right? So today that's going to be our theme is honoring the servants. So we want to honor you guys that came and served, whether you did one, two, or all three. And there's many other things you guys do to serve. I'm just kind of hammering on those, these last two weeks. We have some special guests here today. Everybody give them a, clap, a round of applause. So we have some gentlemen from True Purpose Ministries that wanted to come today to thank you guys for allowing them to use the building for their awards, and they're going to give us some testimonies today. So I got to sit in here and hear, like, what, 15 testimonies? I mean, Chad's was by far four times longer than everyone else's. So <laughs> y'all need to go ahead and call your sister and tell her y'all probably won't make lunch today, okay? <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Anyway, we love testimonies around here, and they're going to give us their testimonies today. They're powerful testimonies. I know what it was. I got to hear their testimonies. Jeff and Eli got to hear them because we were in here doing cameras and stuff. But you guys that were serving were out there so faithfully cleaning up, taking out garbage, doing all that, and you didn't get to hear testimonies. So these men are going to share their testimonies today of what God and Jesus have done to restore their lives. So let's give them a hand clap. All right, we're about to worship, but worship's going to be a little different this morning. Most of you know we have a couple of Hebrew songs we play in. Well, because we live in a barn and the temperatures have been up and down, Peyton's guitar is a little wanky this morning, and he can't play two of the songs we normally play. So no dancing around today to Hanei Matov. If you've never been here before, I was not speaking in tongues. That's Hebrew. 
<laughs> I mean, we could do it without the guitar. I got some nose. <laughs> Robin said she'd lead us. But I just want to remind you while we do that song, it's about unity. And these guys will tell you, how do you gain unity? Serving together. That's what their whole ministry is about. Finding their true purpose while they serve. People, churches, each other. That's how we find unity. We always read Psalms 133.1, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity and harmony. So even though we're not going to sing that song, I just want to remind you, that's why being a servant is so important to us because that's where we gain our unity. So I'm going to pray. We're going to blow the shofar, and we're going to worship. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome your presence, and we thank you for being here with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that our worship is pleasing to you. We worship you with our praise. We worship you by honoring our servants because you gave them those servants' hearts. So, Father, today, I thank you for these special men you sent our way. Oh, thank you for the restoration testimonies we get to hear today. Your word says Satan was defeated by the blood of the Lamb and by our testimonies. So, Father, help us not take for granted these testimonies we hear today. Father, we love you. We praise you. Amen. So I just have a short word that I'm going to give, and then later, whenever Jason tells me, we're going to talk about something that has to do with Crystal and her ministry. Uh, but the word that God kept giving me today, and Lonnie and I have talked about this before, but God wanted just me to remind everybody because of the time of the year that we're in, we all get real busy. And uh, we start getting out of our lane. God has a lane that he has all directed us to be in. What is your lane? <laughs> uh my lane might look different than your lane. Uh, Jason's lane might look different than my lane. Um, yeah, that is a praise a lot of the times. Um, so if you find yourself this time of the year or even before this year, ask the Lord, what is your lane? If he has called you as a husband and wife to do a specific assignment while you are here, that is your assignment. That's not the same assignment as your neighbor's. Um, if he's called you as an individual to a specific lane, um, that's your lane. Uh, why should we stay in our lane? And why do we not stay in our lane that God's called us to be in? Sometimes it's because of guilt. I need to do more. Um, so think about that. If, if it's a, I need to do more, I'm not doing enough, that really is just, that's not from the Lord. Uh, God's yoke is what? Easy, his burden is light. And so when we're out of our lane, we start feeling heavy, confused, worn down. We start getting sick, etc. Sometimes we get out of our lane because we like attention that the other lane gets us. But when we get in that other lane that actually was an assignment 
for somebody else, not for us, then we cause not just ourselves issues, but all the people that we're connected to. Um, there's so many other reasons that we get out of our lane. The enemy tells us different lies that we come into agreement with about why we get out of our lane. Uh, maybe if I get in that lane, people will think that I'm smart. Uh, I've got all the answers to everything. Um, but it causes our self issues. It causes the people around us issues. Let's think about Esther, for example. Esther was called to a specific calling. What was her calling? To get her people into freedom. If any of you guys feel like as I'm saying this about Esther, maybe God's calling you to read up on Esther again because he's going to show you what your lane is and why he called Esther to the lane he called Esther to. Moses, what was Moses' calling? Is to get his people out of slavery to get them to the promised land. What was David's calling? David was first a shepherd boy. He was called to be a shepherd boy. Read up on what that means. Then he took him all the way to defeating Goliath and then to be a king. God doesn't call everybody to the same assignment. We are living in the days and times we have to know our assignment. Why do we as children of God have to know our assignment? Because if we get out of our lane, God's going to wear us down, and then we're not going to be able to feel, fulfill that assignment that he called us to that is literally specific for you, who you are. For example, for you guys that are in true purpose, he got you to true purpose, you obviously know that, but now he's showing you what your assignment is, why you're there, and then when you get out. You're going to have a specific calling on your life, okay? The devil loves telling us, especially when we get in freedom, um, and it's that old school religious mindset, that we have to do all these things in order for God to love us. Our church is not called to a bunch of different random ministries. It's a small church right now. Um, God has called us to specific assignments, the enemy loves to wear us out so we can't accomplish our agenda and our purpose here on this earth. So I'm going to say a quick prayer, and I'm just going to ask everybody as I do that to close your eyes and ask the Lord to show you what your assignment is and ask the Lord if you've got out of your lane. Help you get back in the lane he's called you to. So, Lord, I just lift everybody up in here, Father God. You have an assignment on all of our lives. Some of the assignments are similar. Some of them are different. Some of them work together with each other. And so, Lord, I ask that you show us our specific lane that we need to stay in as individuals, as married couples, as ministries. Father God, help us to not go off on um, any rabbit trails that the enemy would take us on. Lord, help us to shut every gate, every door and window, Father God, that the enemy would try to take us on to try to get us distracted in these days and times. We bind up any spirits of confusion, um, anything that would distract us or keep us um, off of our calling. 
Lord, in this time, Lord, show each one of us what our lane is and our assignment so we can fulfill the destiny and the plan that you have on each one of our lives while we're here. And so when we get to stand before you, you look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, I ask that you would release any of us from any false burdens, false accusations, or lies or heavy yokes that the enemy would place on our life during this day, these days and times we live in. Lord, I thank you that you are the true Messiah. You are coming back from your people. Help us to get the agenda you need us to get accomplished while we're here. Thank you, Lord, for all the grace and mercy and love and peace that you offer to us every day. Help us to know how to receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I told you the theme today was going to be honoring our servants and talking about serving, but why does serving matter? I'm just going to talk for like two minutes, and I'm going to ask one of the guys to come up. But why does serving matter? Jesus did it. That's a good answer. Anybody else? Why does serving matter? Okay, I'll answer. Matthew 20. So I've got to set up the scenario in Matthew 20. You got the disciples, but then you got James and John. And you got James and John's mother. Last Sunday, Jason played a song about your praying mothers, right? You guys remember that? How many of your mothers want you to succeed? Hopefully most of them, right? <laughs> if they don't, we'll pray for you later. But that's what we see here is we had a mom and she would just, Jesus, hey, uh, what about my two boys? You like them. You spend more time with them, right? They, they got a place in your kingdom, like right at your right hand. She was a concerned mother wanting her boys to have the best. And Jesus is like, ma'am, I don't think you know what you're asking for. And he called his disciples together. It caused a little bit of an argument, a little bit of division amongst the disciples because they're like, wait, whoa, 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 why are these two trying to be the best? But that's what we want in our world, right? That's what was happening with the disciples. And that's what we have. We want to be the leader. We want to be in charge. And Jesus says, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. This is why it matters. But among you, it will be different. He's saying this to the disciples, but I'm saying it to you. Among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader amongst you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for him many but among you it will be different you want to be the best you want to be in my by my right side in the kingdom serve similar discussion in, in mark chapter 9 jesus sees his discuss uh, his disciples are discussing it on the road he said what are you discussing out on the road they didn't want to answer him they were scared right i don't want to tell him what we're frustrated about we're arguing who's going to be the best says so they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him, and said, whoever wants to be the first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. That's why it matters. I'm concerned about your eternity, getting to know Jesus, letting Jesus' blood cover your sins, but I'm also concerned about your position in eternity. You want to be the greatest? That was a question. Do you want to be the greatest in the kingdom? I do. Jacob does. 
He clapped. Fake clapped. Serve. It, it matters for your eternity. Today, we're going to start with some areas God's allowed us to serve, and there's no better place to start than True Purpose Ministries. I got the privilege for several years at Rio Revolution Church to walk with these men, not these men specifically, but their brothers. And they are taught the value of serving. And when they serve, see, many of us, because you guys don't know my testimony, many of us come from addiction. Many people in this room may have struggled with something. Some of them may be struggling right now. I said to some of you guys earlier, it's easy, it's easy for us to go, look, there's an alcoholic or a drug addict, but what about the guy that's addicted to pornography or gambling or whatever that's just kind of hiding? Hope nobody sees this. But these guys walk into a program. See, we're selfish when we're addicts, right? We're trying to please self, and they're taught to lay that down and serve their brothers. And it develops this brotherhood and this camaraderie that is very strong. Do they all make it? No. But the ones that do, I'm going to tell you right now, I'd rather go to battle with them than anybody else. And that's not a slam to anybody that's a servant on our team. I just know they've been through hell. They know what demons look like. They know how to defeat them. And they want to help other people find freedom. So this past Sunday, we were given the opportunity to serve them. What many of you don't know is if they have an event, sometimes they got to go set up for their own event to get honored and then stick around and tear down their event. But you guys are servants, and you did it for them. And I'm going to point out Jeff. I said, Jeff, thank you for coming and serving. He said, all I did was take out the trash. Yeah, but they didn't have to. And that's the servant's heart Jesus is looking for. So we've asked these men, two of them, and maybe three, because I think Brandon's going to speak today, too. We've asked them to give a testimony, and I don't care where you take it, and I don't care how long you take it. Tell them what the Lord is telling you to say today. It's restoration. There's a family sitting right here, a father and two sons, right? Can y'all stand up? This is restoration. This is, thank you guys. This is restoration happening. So the guys that were honored here last week have gone what they call above and beyond. They've graduated the program, which is a no small feat in and of itself, right? And they've gone 12 months. Uh, some people like Stephen D's like 24 months, right? <laughs> Y'all don't know Stephen D's. He's an overachiever. <laughs> but then they've gone another six months or so being clean and pouring back into the kingdom. So I'm going to ask Conrad to come up here and go first. And, and some of you know that I joke when Wendy and I are going to pray over somebody, I pray first because I'm just the warm-up act. I pray short. She prays long. Well, Conrad said, man, I don't want to go after Chad today because <laughs> he said, I, I'm going to be short. I'm the warm-up act. Conrad, thank you for coming and sharing. Conrad loves public speaking, guys. Last Sunday night was the first time he's spoken ever in public. But God. And God knew he was going to stand here today and give his testimony to give hope to all of us. So I'm going to let you have the
right. Thank you guys for having me, me and Chad. Um, thank you, everybody that served, um, helped set up, tear down, like, like he said. Um, I'm probably not going to speak long. Like I said, I'm not a public speaker by no means, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Uh, hopefully I can help somebody, uh, give you my testimony a little bit. Um, so my name's Joseph Conrad. I'm uh, 30 years old. Uh, I've been at True Purpose. You talking about Stephen D's. <laughs> I've, I've been there almost 24 months. So, yeah. Um, so... Basically, I, I grew up in a good family, um, good church family. Um, you know, uh, the only thing was I moved around a lot, um, city to city, state to state. My, my dad was, uh, he was in uh, hotel business, so he was always, you know, getting a new job, couldn't stick around nowhere. Um, so we just, we, we moved, you know, like I said, I wasn't in a school longer than about a year, uh, tops, moved, moved around, and ended up moving to Ohio when I was nine, and stayed there for a couple years. Um, my parents ended up, a lot started changing, my dad wouldn't come home, um, you know, he was... Uh, I mean, he said he was faithful, this and that, but he just never would come home. You know, uh, a son needs his father. That's, you know, that's, uh, that's a big thing. Um, you know, I was big into sports. I was really good at sports, really, uh, really good at baseball, actually. And um, so my, my dad ended up, and my mom and dad ended up splitting up. My mom had enough. She was tired of it. So we moved to Tennessee. And uh, that was, let's see, 2004, I believe. And so after we moved to Tennessee, you know, uh, I was totally against drugs. I was in all the D.A.R.E. programs. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, I looked down on everybody that did drugs, drank, because like I said, my family, we never did that. Um, you know, none, none of them even smoked a cigarette, never drank, nothing. Um, they were definitely the holy rollers, I guess you could say. So, um, so I ended up my, uh, I started, I went to middle school in Rockwood. I don't know if anybody knows Rome County. Um, so I started there, um, and my mom ended up started dating this, my stepdad now, and, um. I had a stepbrother, he was older than me, and he was Mr. Popular, you know, good in sports and stuff too. So he, uh, you know, he was smoking weed, you know, starting out, uh, drink a little bit. And I looked up to him, wanted to be like him, you know. So, you know, one day I asked him, you know, and I was totally against it. Um, but I was like, let me, you know, let me try it. Let me just see what it's like. And I just remember uh, he was like, okay, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll go get some, do it. So did it, you know, um, felt bad about it, honestly, right off rip. But he just kept pushing me like, you know, oh, it's, it's whatever, you know, what, it, like the normal stories. It's what everybody's doing, you know, like, it, if, you know, it's a cool thing. 
So I was like, all right. So I kept kept smoking. You know, that's how it started. Drank a little bit. Um, and then this is at 12. Um, so he brings, you know, cocaine. And he's like, hey, man, let's, you know, let's try a little bit of this. And, you know, I was like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know about that, blah, blah. Um, so I was like, all right, he talked me into it. I ended up doing it. Well, my mom came in right, right when I was doing it um, and caught me and my brother. And, um, you know, it, she flipped out. You know, it was, uh, you know, like I said, because my family's not definitely never done a drug or smoked a cigarette. Um, you know, so anyway, so I ended up basically just, you know, she was having a family meeting, wanted us, you know, she's like, oh, he's going down the wrong path, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I just ended up, I miss my dad, the true purpose is you know they teach you the root issues to actually dig deep and you know my biggest thing is you know I miss my dad I wanted him around all the time and that was my root issue more than anything I loved my dad I looked up to my dad you know um, so I just I just started getting in trouble um, got arrested just kept getting high I mean, just kept getting high, didn't care. Um, you know, my dad wouldn't even talk to me. Um, you know, he moved to Ohio, moved back, or stayed in Ohio. Wouldn't answer, you know, would maybe call me once every six months. You know, he might send me something, you know, in the mail or something and be like, oh, that's good, you know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing my part, you know. So I rebelled, basically. Uh, I ended up rebelling and just kept getting high, getting in trouble. Um, so uh, I ended up getting arrested at 17 uh, for, originally it was a DUI, but they scratched it and um, because I wasn't driving, but I hopped in the driver's seat. You know what I mean? So they they ended up uh, finding out that, so they didn't give me a DUI. But so I, right after that, um, I just that's when I started doing pills. Um, I ended up having a friend that was like, you know, this is way better. You know, it's 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 where it's at. You know, blah blah. So I started doing pills, and honestly, that's when when I started doing pills. That's when my life went downhill. Um, I ended up I couldn't keep a job ever, you know, longer than a couple months maybe. And uh, you know, my family I tried to hide it from all the time. They they knew though the whole time, you know, that that I was getting high still. You know, as in and out of relationships, um, you know, just sleeping around, you know, um, just trying to do any partying every night, trying to fill that void, basically, um, you know, anything that I possibly could. Um, 
So I ended up, uh, I ended up finally, I uh, went to my first rehab at 2024. 20, um, and like I was so bad, I had a, I actually had a good job then. I was in the union, still workers union, and I was making, you know, like 70, 80,000. Um, but it got so bad that uh, I had a, I, I made all that money still had a loan at almost every loan agency. I had about $30,000 worth of loans because I couldn't support my habit. Um, started stealing, breaking in houses, kicking doors in, you know, thought I was gangster, I guess you could say, running with the wrong people. Um, you know, uh, but so I ended up going to my first rehab, got out, got clean. I went to Florida for 59 days, got clean for maybe six months, maybe. Um, met up with a girl and was right back into it. Um, and then I ended up right after that. I picked up my first dope charge. Um, manufacturing, sell and deliver, um, six and a half grams of methamphetamine, um, pills, all kinds of stuff, um, paraphernalia, needles. Um, I hadn't shot up yet then. You know, I looked at down on people that shot up. I thought that, you know, as long as I ain't shooting it, shoot, I'm, I'm better than them. You know what I mean? Way better than them. Uh, you know, and I ain't got a problem. You know, I'm just, just getting high. And uh, so they take me to jail, and I, you know, I was scared to death. I ain't going to lie. Uh, you know, I'd just been in there like nights, you know, overnight or something like that. Um, you know, and, uh, when I got there, they gave me no bond, so it was automatic, you had to serve, um, scared to death, you know what I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen, um, never actually went to a pod, um, you know, with a bunch of people, um, knew a bunch of people, because I ran with them on the street, you know, but still scared to death. Uh, didn't know any of the ways in jail or nothing like that. and um, So I ended up, I pled out. I had to wait 30 days at Roan County. Um, pled out to um, five years state probation. I got a diversion, which is basically after, you know, you do your five years, you, they will drop the felony. I got a class B felony. Um, so, um, but as soon as I got out that night, started getting high. Didn't even, didn't take no time. Didn't care about the probation, nothing. Uh, within a couple months, I had my first violation. Um, failed a drug test at probation, um, 
And then right after that, actually, at that point, that's when I, f I first started shooting. And let me tell you, that, that right there is a whole nother demon in itself. Uh, the drugs is hard, but it's the shooting. Once you start doing that, you might, uh, you know, in your mind, you're just like, shoot, what else is there? I mean, you know, you might as well just give up. There ain't nothing, nothing for you. You know, that's what goes through your mind. So I just basically, that's what I did. I gave up, didn't care, um, violated again within a month. Um, so my probation officer was like, well, look, this is what I'm going to do. They caught me actually with fake pee twice, um, once because it, it's temperature. You know, they have a temperature gauge on it. And it was too cold, so they searched me, found it, told me to leave, come back. I got lucky on that, because that's an automatic violation. Um, that's, I feel God looking out for me on that, you know. Um, but didn't listen, didn't care. Came right back and actually got set up, uh, a girl I was with. Um, she got me the, the pee, and... Uh, she actually put meth in it, you know, didn't know that, because um, she knew that I would violate, and, you know, I sold a lot of drugs, I did, I made really good money, um, it was easy, uh, you know, and it was just the thrill of it at the time, you know, it's uh, not knowing if you're getting caught, you know, just, just the rush all the time, and, uh, so I had a bunch of clothes, Jordans, everywhere, all kinds of weed eaters, mowers, I mean, chainsaws, all kinds of stuff where people would trade for. And uh, she basically pilt me back whenever I uh, had cash, too. She didn't come bomb me out. Um, pilt me back of everything that I had, which happens, by the way, every time you go to jail. <laughs> no matter who you are, you're getting pilt back. Um, so um, they end up. So they ended up. Uh, my probation officer, though, she's like, "I'm going to send you to a rehab," uh, but it's only 30 days, um, and it's in Buffalo Valley, uh, which is a joke, by the way. If you know anybody that's going to Buffalo Valley, do not send them. It's all about money. They don't care about you. Um, you know, it's not like True Purpose by no means. Um, you know, you're just a number to them, basically. So I did the 30 days and got out. And within four hours, I had overdosed on heroin. Um, and that was God too, because I was the only one in the house. Nobody knew, nobody knew that I was getting out because I actually got out a day early. Um, and I ended up waking up 
probably about an hour so later, um, fully conscious. Um, and a few people had showed up to the house and just walked in, just walked in the house. You know, it was unlocked and they seen me blue on the floor and started narcan me and giving me CPR. Um, about broke my chest plate from pressing down on me so hard. Um, so, but you know, it's uh, came to and uh, thanked them. Stuck a needle in my arm right again. Didn't you know? Because when you when you get Narcan, it turn it, it puts you into withdrawals. I don't know if anybody knows about Narcan, but it, it does save people's life, like it does. Um, but it automatically puts you right in withdrawals, so you're sick. You know, and um, I'm going to be real, there ain't nothing like opiate sickness. Like, if you think you've been sick, <laughs> you ain't been through withdrawals on opiates. Um, you know, and uh, so, yeah, so I stuck the needle in my arm, got high again, um, and this was in 2019, or yeah, the beginning of 2019, and um, ended up ODing two more times, almost didn't come back the third time. I woke up actually in a bathtub uh, full of ice. Everybody was too scared to call the ambulance because you get charged now um, for calling it in. And um, so, yeah, uh, had everybody was butt naked and in a bathtub full of ice, people all around me, trying to bring me back, smacking me, you know, same thing, chest compressions, CPR, Narcan, all the, everything. And, uh, Still, still didn't, didn't click in my head. Didn't care at all. Just needed to get high. Um, so started, started getting high again. Well, I ended up, I, all right, my grandma, you know, you talk about praying mothers. That's my grandma. My grandma, I love her more than anybody in this world. I love my mama too, don't get me wrong, but my, there ain't nothing like my grandma, nothing. That woman would hit her knees every night, bawling her eyes out. Never would not let me come in the house if I needed anything, that woman was there. She never gave up on me. You know, um, my parents did, and I don't blame them. Um, you know, I ended up robbing them blind, basically. I and mean, they make really good money. My, you know, my stepdad was the head guy at TVA Steam Plant in Kingston. You know, retired at 54 years old, not have to worry about anything. Like, he was... You know, uh, he's a good man, though, and uh, robbed him. They couldn't leave change laying around. They couldn't leave 
anything not locked up. If I was around, they wouldn't let me out of their sight. I would steal it all, whatever it was. I was getting something every time. And it got to the point where they would call the police if I even came around. Um, told me I wasn't their son. Um, they, don't, they didn't know who I was anymore. You know, um, they just said, um, they ended up telling my stepbrother that um, they called him one day. And actually, he didn't tell me this until last Thanksgiving. So I didn't even know this, but he called him. It was sometime in July of 2019 and said, Nathan, uh, we're going to find a burial lot for Joey. See, back home, I go by Joey. My here, the Joey's the old man, you know. Um, so, yeah, they said they were going to find a burial lot for me because they said I wasn't going to make it much longer. And they were, I mean, they were definitely right, 100%. Um, I was beyond out of control. Um, and so I ended up, um, I ended up going to probation, twacked out of my mind, been up for probably two or three weeks, you know, um, and had a bunch of dope on me. I'm driving my grandma's car. She's in the passenger seat. Um, you know, uh, she ended up, I'll, I'll backtrack that real quick. Uh, she ended up coming, so I would stay there when I couldn't, because I, no, I had no home. Um, you know, I would stay couch to couch, never had a place, um, you know, and I'd stay there as long as I could to get kicked out. Didn't have a car, had to walk everywhere. Um, but uh, I came home, or to my grandma's home one night, and... Uh, she just told me, she said, honey, uh, there's something in there you need to go clean up. And uh, I'm just like thinking like, what, you know, what, what could it be? What, what would I have left out? And it was a spoon with a pill melted down in it and a bunch of needles. Didn't touch it, nothing. She just left it there. And, uh, um, you know, she came in, I cleaned it up, I went in my room, she came in and started bawling. And um, she's like, honey, I just, uh, you need help? What can I do to help you? you know, I, I would peel, this is so bad too, but I would peel my grandma back, take hundreds out of her purse, didn't care. And I love this woman, like, love this woman but I had to get high had to you know whatever it took um, you know and this woman never never kicked me out never gave up on me you know her and my grandpa would fight bad because he I mean at one point he hated me absolutely hated me didn't want nothing to do with me didn't want me around he knew I'd steal from him, steal from her, you know, didn't care. And uh, 
But so anyway, so I ended up going, I, you know, she tells me, she's like, you know, I hit my knees every night for you. And she said, I, I swear to you, God told me that you're going to get through this and you're going to be something in life. So, I'm going to be honest, I might have grew up in church and all that, but I didn't really believe. I had been baptized when I was 14. I went to church because I had to go to church. Nothing more. You know, didn't pray. The only time I prayed is if I was in trouble. I mean, honestly. So, um, you know, so, but for some reason that did, that clicked in my head. And, but I, so I ended up, I had probation. I left that night, still went and got high. Um, but I had probation the next morning. And um, I had already went to jail within that month twice, bonded out before they could violate me. Because um, I went on a violation, bonded out. Uh, it's like $40,000. Bonded out of it, um, then got a shoplifting charge at Food City, which I'm banned for life, for stealing a freaking honey bun. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, that's how twacked out I was. Just walking around, eating everything, drinking energy drinks, didn't even care. Stupid. So I end up, I bonded out of that. And then that's when my grandma found that stuff. I didn't report within 48 hours. Um, so that's automatic violation. Um, so I end up showing up to probation. Like I said, I had a, a bunch. I'm, I'm serious, a, a lot of dope on me. Shouldn't have been, you know, shouldn't have even put my grandma in that situation, nothing. But so I end up putting that in the driver's side door in case because you never know every time you go into probation you're thinking no i'm going to jail so I, most of the time you didn't go um so i end up walking in as soon as i walk in three officers walk in right behind me my probation officer hated me said that i would never amount to anything that basically like they tell a lot of people that goes through that you know you're, we're going to put the jail on top of you, you know. You're not getting out. You're going to prison. There ain't no way around it. Um, and so I ended up, uh, they end up taking me in, and uh, my lawyer actually, Alan Moore, he's out of Loudoun. He's a really good lawyer, by the way. Um, and... Uh, he came in the next day, and he said, Mr. Conrad, um, there's no way around it, buddy. He said, but you, you're going to go to prison. You're going to have to flatten your five. That was on, my, I think, my fourth violation by that point. Um, you know, I had uh, served a few 30 days, four and a half months. Um, four and a half months was my longest stint, but let me tell you, that was long enough. Um, definitely. Uh, but so 
He told me that I was going to have to flatten that five years, no matter what, no way around it. Um, I start bawling because I wish I could put a picture up there and shown what, you, what I look like. I weighed in at 100 pounds. I'm serious, 100 pounds, every bit. Eyes were black, uh, you know, sunken cheeks. Uh, everybody in the pod made fun of me. You know, they were just joking. They were my running buddies, I guess you say. Like, you know, get this boy a cracker, you know, or something. Because, uh, like, I was, I was that small. Like, you see every rib. Um, you know, people literally were giving me food in there. Uh, hadn't ate in weeks. Uh, track marks, both arms blown up. I had misses everywhere. Uh, black and blue all down both sides. Um, you know, it, it looked like I did. I looked like total death. And um, so I end up, I call... I'm waiting trial or, you know, uh, court uh, to talk about for my violation. Call my grandma, you know, and she tells me, she's like, sweetheart, I found that in the car, by the way. She said, I threw it away um, so you don't get in trouble. So that was my ride or die right there, no matter what, Granny had me. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> so... Um, so uh, I end up, I uh, call her, you know, she says that, and then she's like, sweetheart, I'm going to do everything in my power to um, get you some help. And I'm, I'm bawling on the phone, you know, I'm detoxing too, and I'm, I'm serious, like, I, I wish I was dead when I had to, you have to detox in jail, oh my gosh. They don't care. They laugh at you. Like, it is crazy. They won't even give you a Tylenol, ibuprofen, nothing. They're like, put it in on the kiosk, you know, and you get it weeks later. Like, that's the truth. Like, yeah. And so, you know, I ended up, I start going buck wild. Well, actually, when I'm, because they put me in 23 and 1 lockdown, which is even worse on, you know, detoxing. And I'm kicking the door acting a fool, and um, finally, I end up talking to somebody. I see my, this is crazy too, so Captain Emmert over the Roan County Jail, he actually um, goes to church with my grandma. So, um, you know, and he's actually harder on me because of that, but um, he ends up saying, you know, I see him because he comes in because I'm, I'm acting a fool, kicking it, you know, kicking the door left and right, you know, threatening the guards. Um, and I'm just like 100 pounds, so you could imagine, look like a little chihuahua or something, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so I end up, uh, he, he's like, he sees me, and I'm, I am just sweating like crazy, you know, just, I was puking, you know, uh, both ends, you could say. All right, so um, he ends up at least giving me something for my stomach and some uh, one ibuprofen for the pain. 
you imagine you're, you know, as much opiates that I was doing what an ibuprofen did? Nothing. It was just mental more than anything. So, um, so I, it took about 14 days to fully detox. It took seven to, to actually get up and start walking, you know, walking around and doing stuff, not, you know, just from sleeping. And, um, so they put me in a pod and I get a phone card. Um, and I get a note from Captain Emmert saying, you need to call your dad. <clears throat> so I call him, um, and he's like, look, I've been looking for some places to get you in. And I told him, like, you know, Bruce, uh, you know, I just, you know, want to apologize, blah, blah, blah. I was like, but this is what my lawyer said. Um, you know, I'm not getting out of this one. And he said, uh, he said, well, not while I'm still alive. He said, we're, we're going to get you some help and we're going to get you through this. Um, so he ends up doing all the footwork for me while I'm in jail. Because when you're in jail, you can't do nothing. I mean, it's, it's about impossible. Um, you know, uh, so he ends up getting a hold of Miracle Lake and True Purpose Ministries. And so I end up, uh, heard bad things about Miracle Lake. Don't know, just heard it in jail, but I heard True Purpose was good. Um, you know, and never been to a faith-based program, but I was like, heck, I'm willing to give it a shot. You know what I mean? Um, so I call True Purpose and, um... Uh, Pastor Jeremy's daughter actually was uh, the one taking calls then and talked to her for like, I don't know, like 20, 25 minutes. Um, and then she's like, call back in a minute. Um, I want you to talk to my father, Pastor Jeremy. So I'm like, okay. You know, I, I end up calling back and I talk to Pastor Jeremy. And he's like, you know, I explain my situation, basically what I'm saying now, you know, a lot shorter. And uh, he's like, well, I'm going to pray on it. We're full right now. We have no beds. Like, they were completely full. There was people sleeping on couches in every house. That's how full True Purpose was. But Pastor Jeremy has a huge heart. So um, I end up, he's like, call back tomorrow. I'm going to pray on it, see. So I call back the next day, and he's like, there was a handful of people that, ended up leaving so he's like I got you you know I, I'm uh, I'm gonna um, save you a bed for 30 days because it took 30 days to get in court and um, he said I prayed on it and I, I think you know that you do good here and uh, so he wrote a letter of recommendation to the courts all that showing that you know we're going to accept him, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I go to court, and Alan Moore's like, I don't know how you did it, but um, you're, this, is, this is the plea deal. And it was uh, go to True Purpose Ministry, court-ordered for a year, and I had to give up my diversion, which means I'm a felon the rest of my life. Um, and um, I had to pay... It was like, I don't know, $5,500, $7,500 or something like that in fines. 
And it, it reminded, like, I had never paid a fine the whole time I was on probation. So uh, you can imagine how much, you know, that I ended up having all together. But so I want true purpose, and I'm just going to say, like, true purpose literally saved my life. Um, got there, and in my mind, I was like, right off rip, I was just happy to be out of jail, really. You know, didn't really give it a shot right at first. Um, and I'll be honest, I kind of went through and was like, I was like, this is a cult. Like, <laughs> for real. Like, they're going to have me drinking, you know, drinking Kool-Aid and, you know what I mean? Like, I was, yeah. So, uh, just never experienced nothing like that, you know what I mean? So, uh, but I ended up, I love the Kool-Aid, yeah. So, I end up, uh, you know, meeting Chad, for instance. We ended up going through the clinical program together. Um, you know, I never really had any real friends on the street. That's all they are is, you know, running buddies. Uh, they'll peel you back at any, any chance they get. You know, they don't care about you. Um, the first time in my life I actually had a real brotherhood was at True Purpose. Uh, everybody's so loving, hug you. Every time you see somebody, you give them a hug. You know, I, ain't, I wasn't used to that. I was like, oh, don't touch me, you know. <laughs> So, um, but I did, you know, like I said, I ended up, uh, Stephen Dees was my counselor at first. He never counseled me. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Love him to death, though. But, uh, and then I ended up getting the clinical program. And I think that right there was godsend. It was meant to be 100% because if I didn't go through clinical program, I don't think I'd be up here right now. So, um, Gage is an awesome counselor. He really is. Good guy. Um, younger than me, but still, like, that man is, is a true prophet, like, for real. Um, so, yeah, I ended up doing the, doing the, uh, the year. Um, and since then, you say, like, restoration. I have no kids. You know, never been married. Nothing like that. Uh, didn't ever want kids, really you know, for a long time, um, but, so, now, um, so, I, I ended up getting my license, bought me a car, uh, 2010 MKS, um, Lincoln MKS, in straight cash, you know, never, you know, in legal, legal cash, <laughs> you know, you know, not, not from selling drugs, so, yeah, hard-earned. Um, I got a career job. I work at AccuCoat, spray foam insulation in Maryville. Um, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Um, well, and see, and that's another, that was another blessing because the owner of, of AccuCoat, Chad Brewer, he's from this area. He's from Greenback. Um, he's went through addiction, and he was really bad. Like, I mean, talking, beating people up all the time, um, prison 15 years, like, big, you know, he was, he was a mean dude. 
and now he's the owner of a company. So that's another restoration right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, so I, my family, my family actually wants to be seen with me, take pictures, go out, you know, all kinds of stuff, uh, check on me every day just about. You know, um, I'm able to come to their house even without them being there. I mean, it's crazy. So uh, my grandma, because she told me that when I was going through the program, my grandma's health's not very good. Um, she's like she's doing she's doing all right, but she's you can tell because uh, she told me she said I just want to see you get clean before I die. Um, and you can tell she's just at ease now because I haven't put all that pressure and stuff on her. I was killing her, you know, and uh, so um, I guess her health's kind of going more now because she's just comfortable. So, you know, she she actually feels like, you know, I'm, I've made it and I'm, you know, I'm going to do big things. Um, and I feel that, um, you know, eventually, like my hopes and dreams, I'm going to try to open a business, um, maybe a couple, you know, um, maybe open up a, like a halfway house or something back home. Uh, it's a plan too. Um, you know, it's definitely in the works. Um, my, uh, let's see, the, the Captain Emmer over the jail. Um, I don't know if it'll happen or not, but he has that. It, once I get uh, three, I think it's three years out, I can go speak at the jails. So, yeah. Um, you know, he sends, he sends me cards all the time. Um, you know, they show my picture around the jail to all the jailers and stuff in there. Like, you know, how good I'm, how good I look and how good I'm doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and, um, I've met some amazing people, like I really have. Uh, and all my brothers, my True Purpose brothers, like, uh, like I said the other night, like, y'all are my brothers for life, like for real. You know, I got three of them here, you know, right now. Um, and, you know, I definitely appreciate it. And Rob and Melissa, my girlfriend Crystal. Uh, but yeah, so uh, uh, I'm doing amazing though. Like, I mean, I, I don't worry at all. I know God's got me. Um, you know, uh, I mean, life's life's great. I'm actually uh, November fifth was two years clean. So, yeah. so uh, without God. None of that would have been possible, um, honestly. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically, that's my story. So, yeah. Can I get a hug? Ready? Come on up, Chad. It's testimony number two. Thank you. 
want to take your gum out. Um, first of all, uh, thank you for uh, all that you do. Thank you for having us uh, last week. Thank you for letting us use our facility. Uh, this young man right here, you made my day. When you were up here doing the uh, communion, that just, you did a great job and that just warmed my heart and, and you made my day complete. I thank you. I thank you. Uh, and that was a good word, staying in the lane. I've might have heard that from Rob once or twice. My, <laughs> I could hear him back there clearing his throat like, <clears throat> yeah, stay in your lane. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, Rob. But uh, My name is Chad Dunford. Um, truly, I am a humble sinner and a very grateful believer. In, 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 in Jesus, truly. Um, uh, uh, I, I had a great life growing up, had a great, great parents, uh, wanted for nothing, had pretty much what I, I, I wanted, needed. Uh, grew up in church. My father is uh, served as Deacon uh, went to Johnson Bible College, Milligan, a uh, very spiritual man, but very down to earth. Uh, sometimes the apple does fall far from the tree for a little while, but it rolled back. Um, he, uh, I grew up in church. Uh, I was baptized at 13, but like, kind of like you, Conrad, it was, it was just the thing to do. Uh, I didn't know nothing about conviction and, and and anything like that, but um, I got baptized, grew up in church, um, had a great life, played athletics uh, and sports uh, all through school. I uh, did a little bit of college, but I figured, you know, I knew that wasn't really what I wanted. I wanted adventure and to see the world, so uh, went and gave uh, the Army a visit, and that was uh, 1999, so, you know, they said, hey, we'll give you $12,000 enlistment bonus, and I'm like, what? I was like, Donald Trump who? I'm, I'm big time now. Uh, then, they, the, to add on to that, they said, hey, your first duty station is going to be Hawaii. I'm like, let me sign up. <laughs> Where do I sign? Let, let's get this started. Uh, that was not 1999. Uh, I remember like it was yesterday, the morning of uh, September 11th, uh, I was in Hawaii. Uh, we were a light infantry unit, uh, and that's when I knew things had changed. Um, back up a little bit, in high school I partied, smoked some grass, popped a pill every now and then, but I, it was just, that was a thing, party on a Friday night after a game go on with it the next week, working out, sports, whatever. So I'm no stranger to it. Uh, but uh, in the military, that's, uh, we, uh, after 9-11, things changed dramatically. Uh, it was just all, all over the world. Um, then uh, the invasion of Iraq in, in 03, and, uh, uh, 04 through 08, 2008 were some, some uh, wild times. Uh, uh, 
excuse me, uh, did uh, it, combat, dealt, dealt with a lot, did, did a lot of combat, a lot of time, uh, uh, really slugging it out. Um, I lost friends, people that I was literally close enough to, to touch would be uh, shot, people in the same vehicle as me, when, uh, especially when I really got injured bad, I didn't make it out. Uh, and I'll be honest, I got, I got pretty far out there because I'm a Christian, even though I wasn't practicing, let's say. I mean, I was, I knew the Lord and I could quote John 3.16, so hey, I'm, I'm a Christian. And uh, it was just a, but I'll be honest, from day one, I, it was like the Lord told me, even though I didn't know it, I wasn't going to die. I, I just had this weird feeling no matter what I did, I wasn't going to die. And I tested that. I mean, I, I volunteered for things. I did things that, uh, and not to build, you know, say anything about me. That's just how crazy I was. Uh, you start losing friends and, and, that, and, and better men than me, uh, fathers, uh, husbands, uh, families, just great men. And it was just like, why, why not me, Lord? I'm, I'm young, young, you know, single, never been married, no kids. Why not me? Why are you taking these guys? And that, and that bothered me tremendously. So I was like, no, y'all are staying here. I'm going first. You've got something to live for. I really don't. You know, not in a bad way, but you have stuff to deal with. I know, ain't nobody going to miss me, really. My family, yeah, but. Uh, and then it became. Uh, I'm a Christian, you're a Muslim, you want to kill me for that? Well, I'm going to kill you, you know. I mean, just being honest. And it, it got to the point where, I, 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 I hate to say this, but in a warped way, I enjoyed it. I felt like I was doing my duty to God and country and uh, did things out of anger, pure, I mean, just pure hatred, honestly, revenge. I wanted revenge. I got this, God. I don't need you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get these people back. And uh, just, uh, I got injured uh, pretty bad, uh, so that took me totally out. Um, and that's, uh, and it was almost overnight. You're there's no transition. Even if you don't get injured, you are over there doing what we do. And then you come back to the real world, and you're expected to function normally, and that is an impossibility. I don't care who you are. Uh, if you were, as we say, if you were out there pulling triggers, this this isn't normal. That's that became your normal. That was what was normal to me. So when I was laying in a, a VA hospital, and of course, just copious amounts of pills, pills to fix everything, and. Growing up, I was like you, Conrad. I'm not, man, phew, dope head, junkie. Who are you, you know? I come from a good family. I'm, I'm, I'm above that. <laughs> Nowhere near it. Uh, it, it. It got me. It got a hold of me real quick uh, because I didn't want to work on my root issues. I didn't want to deal with the loss, with the guilt, with the shame, with the regrets. Uh, that I'd went through, so I just tried to cover it up with pills, and I mean a lot of pills.
and not knocking the VA, but the truth's the truth. I didn't have to do nothing. I mean, it was so bad, I called them up two days later after getting a hundred and some Percocets and Xanax bars, all this stuff. I'd be like, uh, I lost it. Somebody stole it. And be, okay, we'll, we'll mail you some more. I didn't even have to do nothing. I'd walk out, and not walk, I'd stumble out to my mailbox, get my pills, and I wouldn't even, I couldn't even get in the house, man. I'd be walking back in because I, I just tried to avoid and push all those issues out. And looking back now, my mistake was I was looking for man. You're a doctor. You're a therapist. You're a, you know, you're a dispenser, which was my best friend, honestly, there for a while. Uh, and I was looking all over this way, here, 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 instead of asking God to help. And there were times I did, and there were times that he truly saved my life. Uh, I wanted to die. I got to the point where I had no hope. I didn't want to continue on. I was miserable. I was down to probably 165 pounds. I couldn't eat. I would literally take a bite, and I would throw up as soon as I tried to swallow. I was so racked with anxiety, anger. Uh, and then after a while, I was just numb. I, I wanted to numb myself, and I did that for, for years. Got in trouble. Uh, I hate to say this, but I hurt. So I wanted other people to hurt. In, in, a, in a warped way, I wanted to hurt people. If you'd done me wrong, that was giving me, in my crazy mind, justification to physically hurt you. Because I was so emotionally tormented at the time, that was a release for me. So I've got assault charges, uh, aggravated assault with deadly weapons, pistol whipping people, uh, just taking my anger out on people that done me wrong, you know, and, and, and I hate to, but it's the truth. Uh, and and uh, I dealt with the law. Once you get in that system, it's, it's, it's a mess. Nothing, they didn't do nothing to me. I did it to myself. And they tried to help me many, many times, sending me, all right, we're going to let the VA handle you. Okay, I go to detox. Yeah, well, I'm detoxing, but you're still giving me my lower tab and my Xanax and Seroquel and everything else. Just I'm actually taking it as prescribed for the rare time. And, uh, and I'm talking the best. You know, there's, you know, in Lexington, Kentucky, it's a PTSD program where, I mean, they bring you food to you. You go to class. We had putt-putt course, basketball. We went kayaking. I mean, it was, it was almost like Passages Malibu or something there for a minute. I was like... <laughs> Man, I see y'all in a couple months, you know, when I'm back. And uh, I would do it, and I would do better. And then I'd get out on my own, wouldn't go to church, wouldn't surround myself with the right people, right back to the pills, trying to stuff that down and, 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 and uh, try and deal with it the only way I knew how. And uh, being in the mess with the court system, I was heavily offended with one district attorney. And yeah, he did things that uh, were unprofessional and, and not cool, but so did I. I mean, when you, when you literally try to attack somebody in court, you know, that's not what you do. And uh, I know it might be a shock, but no, don't do it, believe me. Uh, but um, I'd gotten to the point where I was done. I, I, and I started 
And we're going back real quick to, to God saved me several times. I mean, I have loaded, I'd put one in the chamber, and I remember holding a gun to my head, you know, several, several times. And I mean, just crying snot. And I remember, I remember the last time I remember screaming because I couldn't do it. Something, I wanted to, believe me, I wanted to end it right there, but something told me, don't do it. I physically could not pull the trigger, and I didn't know why at the time. I'm just like, mm. and I just could not follow through with it. And uh, and thank you God that I never did. And um, so I came up with a plan, and unbeknownst to me, they'd started watching me. I'd gotten involved with some, uh, you know, a, a militia group, and you know was. You know, me, I just thought I was doing my duty. Yeah, I'm going to train them in weapons and map reading and first aid and communications. And some of them were nuts, to be honest with you. And uh, so I came up with a plan, and uh, I went to do it. I, and luckily they were, thank you God, they were watching me. The ATF and everybody were watching me because uh, I backed my car up to my apartment and put in uh, some assault rifles, uh, 2,500 rounds, body armor, uh, and that was it, that was gonna be it. I was gonna go to that district attorney's office and kill him. And I told him that, I don't remember it, but I told him that when I was in his office the day before. I looked him right dead in the eyes and I meant it. I said, I'm gonna come back here tomorrow and I'm gonna kill you. And I meant it, that's how just messed up I was and uh, and they had been watching me, unbeknownst to me, they were watching me heavily. I mean, they had, once I got to Fed Court, I was like, wow, I don't remember none of this. You know, I don't remember doing none of this. And they had cameras, they had, I mean, it was, there's no real limit to what they can do. But uh, that was a blessing in disguise because they watched me do it. Uh, in court, you could hear them, they were, you know, when they were presenting the evidence. You could hear them, hey, let him get away from the school I live. That should have been another crime. I live you know, four blocks from an elementary school. And uh, my sister even teaches elementary. I've visited schools, I, lo I love it, but you could hear them, hey, let him get away from the school. You know, and I was going, I, I, and they stopped me about a mile from his office. And when I say they stopped me, it was, like you see on, on TV and the movies, it was cars, I mean, probably a satellite involved somewhere, I don't know, but uh, they pulled me out, and uh, and I, I, I can remember when I stopped my car, and I was looking around, and this is the only thing I remember, I remember looking around like, well, this is it, and I, I, and I don't know how I didn't get, I couldn't get to, I had a little AK-47 uh, pistol, a little short, no stock, short, short barrel, and all. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get it, and they jerked me out of that car so quick and laid non-biblical hands all over me. <laughs> None of them was praying. I, I promise you that. There was a few boots added in there for good measure, and then I deserved that. I deserved that. Um, if you looked at my record, I, you know, in in the military background, it was, you know. 
I was no stranger to violence, and 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 and, uh, and, and I was in such a dark place that I wasn't thinking about hurting innocent people or, or hurting people who were actually trying to help me. I just wanted to end it, and uh, but God showed up <laughs> in the form of city uh, police, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, ATF. That's how the Lord worked. You talk about mysterious ways, because I was like, well. It's over now, but I don't remember nothing because uh, my lawyer, a day or two later when they took me down to Greenville to the federal courthouse, I tried to fight the bailiffs, you know, the marshals, everybody, and my lawyer, I didn't know this, they said, they wouldn't even give you a pen. They wouldn't let me visit you. They wouldn't let you do paperwork. They wouldn't even, they just kept, they brought you in front of the judge. You acted a fool. He said, I can't deal with you sending for a psychological evaluation. And basically, I kind of came out of that fog in Butner, North Carolina. And that was like, all right, I'm done with this. Uh, so I told him no more medications. I, 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 I'm, this hadn't worked. Uh, I'm tired of depending on that. Waking up and the first thought on my head was, where's my pills? I mean, if I didn't have any, oh, forget that, man. It was going to be a bad, you were going to hunt and you were going to do whatever it took to get what you needed, truly. And uh, so that began a 17-month a uh, process. I didn't sleep for, you know, uh, at least 12, 14 months. Uh which, looking back now, that was the Lord keeping me awake and making me process thoughts, deal with issues, do a lot of crying, uh, asking a lot of forgiveness, re actually getting back into my Bible. Because uh, really, the only time I would call on God was like, you know, when I was in trouble. You know, I got to, and then I'd be like, oh, Lord, help me. Oh, thanks, see you. And go right back to it. And, and, and in combat, I'll be honest, I led quite a few prayers because it was when I really needed the Lord, like, hey, man, this is real. And I always wondered, why did you keep me alive through this, Lord? Why are such good men dying around me and, and, and me? You're keeping me. And I'm just, I'm nothing. I'm just a dude. Likes to have a good time. Crack a joke, you know. But, uh, and all, that, that stuck with me. Survivor's guilt is, is, is bad. And, and I've struggled with it for many, many years. Not so much now yeah i do you know like on veterans day i was first thing within 30 minutes i was kind of crying a little bit but i got up and i served and that's what's really been healing my heart and uh you know that that's healed many wounds but um long story short went to court uh in front of the feds was facing 10 to 12 years minimum uh the lawyer i had uh, I don't think nobody minded, but Mark Whitney had the same set of lawyers. He went through the clinical program, went through True Purpose. They were like, hey, this, and he's a veteran too, combat vet. And uh, they said, hey, we sent this guy here over a year ago. He's doing great. It's helped him tremendously. No promises. We're going to try. But you're facing some stiff, you know, you're facing some serious things. You've done, you know. When you see United States versus Chad Dunford, it's like, wow. There's, I didn't see no way out of it. I was gone to prison. My life was over. Forget it. And uh, God showed up. I remember 
on, uh, went to court March 9th of 2020. March 8th, that night, I prayed like I, uh, like I never had before. And it, I, I don't want to say I made a deal, but I, I told God, you get me out of this, and I mean it. I, I will serve you. I will, I, will, I will do the right thing. Not that I had in faith. That was just, I'm throwing it up there, man. Whatever happens, happens. There wasn't a lot of hope for me. Uh, Pastor Jeremy showed up for court, um, spoke uh, about the program and stuff for the judge, and, and uh, district attorney was totally not on board with giving me a chance. And um, I prayed, you know, and, and, and Judge Greer, the, the judge I had, he's known for handing out million years. That's like his, that's what he's known for, is just pow, hitting people with the book. And we talked, he went through all my records and stuff and told me, I'm going to give you a chance. I've seen you been through a few things, I'm going to give you a chance. But you mess it up, he also made it a, a part of the bargain, the deal. You mess this up, you're coming back to court as if nothing ever happened. And I'm going to give you the full sentence. And, and I gave him my word, I said, I will not disappoint you. And that, that, uh, that was heavy on me and I didn't want to. So uh, they gave me a chance, let me go to True Purpose. I got there March 10th of 2020, uh, the night of March 12th, 2020. We, it's just like this. It's a, what we call our sanctuary, and we have an altar up here. And, and I never hit my knees. I've taken a knee, and you know, but I'd never really hit my knees and, and, let, and laid it down. And uh, I went up there by myself. People came up, put hands on me, prayed with me. I didn't know none of these guys. And it just, the tears, you, you couldn't, I couldn't stop. I mean, they flowed snot everywhere, and I started sweating. And this, I, I, I sweat, I've sweat a lot in life. But this was unlike any, I could feel the, each bead of sweat push out of my skin, out of my forehead, like all out of, out, out of here. And I could just feel it as something heavy, just plop, 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 just, and it is just un, un, unreal. I mean, there's no exact, I can't really describe what that felt like. But I can tell you what it felt like when I, you know, they finally had to mop my tears and snot and stuff up. And when I stood up, I can tell you what that felt like, and it was amazing. I thought I was floating. Forget, uh... Forget drugs, forget any chemical known to man. I've never felt that up to that point. True freedom, joy, relief, uh, uh, chains broken. Uh, and I remember I stood up and kind of backed up. And Stephen D's, my boy, I remember standing up, music's playing, and... You know, if you know Stephen D's, he can get into it. So he's just, you know, he's, he's dancing, he's getting, I think he's over there doing the robot, praising Jesus. I'm like, whatever. But when I stood up, he was standing like right here, and it was like a movie. The music just, everything got quiet. I kind of got tunnel vision. I couldn't see nothing but his goofy grin, like, 
And that's Stephen D's looking at me like doing this. I can still picture like. And I remember, I, you could have punched me in the face and I wouldn't have cared. I was so happy. And we didn't say a word. But we st- I truly, I know our spirit spoke because I was staring at him and he was staring at me. And I didn't know, I'd never felt this. So I'm like, bro, what's going on? I, what is this? And he's like, yep, feels good, don't it? And there's no dialogue here. This is just, I think, our spirits. He's like, enjoy it, man. It's, it's real. You know, and he's doing this. Like, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and it, it was, I, I'll never forget that moment because it was amazing. It was funny, but it was, it was, it was great. Uh, March 21st of 2020, Stephen D's again took us out out in the woods and stuff, and uh, it was freezing cold. I mean, it, it was, it was, no, it was overcast. I mean, it was probably, if, if it was 45 degrees, I'd have been surprised. And I'd always, what blows me away is not only the, the, that, excuse me, God gives me my needs, he gives me so much of what I want, my heart's desires. I'm talking to the little, the smallest details, things you wouldn't think God even would care about. And I'd always talk to my dad for years, you know, I want to get baptized again, but I want to do it in a river. I want to be out in nature. I want to do it kind of like Jesus did and be out there. So coming through towns, he's like, who wants to get baptized, y'all? And we're like, and then about 10 of them held their hands up, and he kind of had that look like, oh, man, got to get in that water, and it's cold. But he did. And, and this is no exaggeration. It was freezing. You could see your breath. And when he baptized me, I, I said my peace to the Lord. Uh, and he baptized me. And I was filled with so much warmth that I literally sat down in that river and just, just let it wash sins, let it wash regrets, let, let it just wash all that. And they finally were like, bro, come on, because everybody was done, and I'm just like, no, nah, bro, this is, this is crazy, because I should be shivering, I should be freezing, but I am comfortable, and it was just a peace I'd never felt, a warmth and joy that I'd never felt, and uh, it's, uh, it's been a lot of battles, you know, when you, you know but they, 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 they taught me the truth. That's what's so great about True Purpose. They teach you the truth that guilt, shame, regret, you know, all that stuff you've done, that's not from the Lord. That's the devil trying to hold you down from, from what the Lord, you know, can, from the Lord setting you free. And, uh, and, for, and what I finally started doing was actually believing and applying it. I tested the Lord. I have. He says, test me. Basically, you know, try me out. I'll show you. And, uh, and I did, whether it was with serving, with finances with whatever everything I've ever done even given I've literally literally gotten more back out of the blue you know they drug me through it and another wet thing uh, you think prison's gonna be bad no my benefits never stop so for 17 months plop, 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 everything just added up so I was set up when I got out not for me though it, it has allowed me to do the Lord's work, be, truly be hands and feet. And VA started dragging me back in, and man, why? 
No offense, I hate y'all. You can't, I've, I've done this for years. I've been through every test. You've poked me, prodded me. What's going on? And, and it, to me, I took it like, hey, they're messing with me. They're going to take what I've earned. Long story short, I got, they, were, they sent me a letter, and the biggest joy I had is one of the first lines said, we were erroneous. And I'm like, oh, they never admit they're wrong. So, I, I mean, I've kept that just more than anything. But they were like, yeah, we've been messing with you. We've been basically not paying you enough for six years. So, you know, here, here's a chunk. And that was, that was when I had graduated. So I, that was the Lord saying, I've seen what you do. Here you go. Here's more to do. Don't worry about money. You know, that's one of my favorite stories is, you know, when he, he you know, he casts the net over and he pulls the fish up and gets the coin out of his mouth. It's Jesus like, bro, money ain't nothing to me. I'm like, yeah, this, this is nothing. And, um, it, it, and, and you talk about the little things. Rob knows, man, I was, I, was, I was, no offense, I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to not leave the program. I was going to stay connected. I just wanted to have a room to myself for once and some peace and quiet and have my own bathroom not being bougie or nothing but that's just i wanted i wanted some me time some true me time and uh i looked and looked and looked found a, a place that i thought was perfect nearby but i was about two months from graduating and i, I begged pleaded pastor jeremy let me just move there and come back and keep you know doing what i do every day and you know he didn't and at first, I'm like, man, what do you know? You know, who, who are you, even though you've done this for who knows how long? I'm smart. But he knows what he's doing, believe me, because uh, I halfway filled out an application online for uh, a place that's <laughs> not even half a mile from the ministry. And... Uh, you know how hard housing is to find nowadays, especially in Maryville. And uh, so I just halfway, I got to the background part, and I'm like, man, this is an uppity place. They, gonna, they ain't even going to give me a chance. So I just quit. I gave up. Out of the blue, they called me. And they were like, hey, Mr. Dunford, uh, are you looking for an apartment? I'm like, who put you up to this? Because, yeah, I am, but, I, you know, people never call you. And I was coming back from church, uh, doing something over there, and I and I, I said, look, I can literally be there in two minutes. And uh, talking about the Lord giving you what you want, and this is just uh, this makes me laugh, not because it's anything I'm special, but He gave me my heart's desire. Like, oh, well, if I had a dream place, it'd be on the bottom floor, one bedroom, hot tub, pool, gym. You know, laundry in my unit, nice, quiet place. And that's literally what I got. <laughs> I mean, and it was the only one. They told me, well, this came open. This is the only one we got. And it came available uh, five days before I graduated. So it's perfect timing. You know, that's the Lord saying, hey, man, I, I got you. Quit worrying. And uh, it was just, it was amazing. And uh, so I moved in there. Uh, uh, I've stayed involved. There's been a, uh, more than once where I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I'm over. I quit. See you in the morning. You know, that's how crazy I'd get because I wouldn't stay in my lane. I wouldn't. 
I'm done with this, Rock. I'm going to tell you how many times I put that man through, throwing pity parties, throwing rocks, kicking, sticking my lip out, pouting. And he talked me through it. You know, you know, kind of tell me to man up every now and then, but he let me vent, and I'd get it out. And uh, it, it's been amazing. Uh, you talk about restoration, uh, keys to my parents' house. They send my nephew down here every chance they get. We spend a week or two together all the time, going, traveling, doing whatever. Uh, Teaching him the importance of service. Hey, man, uh, get up. We got to be over here at 6 in the morning. We're handing out food boxes. Uh, and it's showing him how much need is out there. Because, you know, he's comfortable. He's well taken care of. He's taken care of. You know. So um, he's showing him, man, there's people out here with needs, true needs. And there's not many people wanting to step up and feel that. Because we live in a very selfish uh, society. It's me first. And if I got any time or anything left, then I mean, you know, I might, I might pray for you, you know. And I'm sorry, and prayer is very powerful. But what I've learned about uh, serving and ministry, you know, we've done more ministry by getting up and helping people than, and I'm just going to be honest, than a lot of pastors have from the pulpit. And that's, that's the truth. That's, that's the God not being haughty or anything, but even the Bible says it. Don't tell somebody to stay warm and be full and not give them a jacket and, and something to eat. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm just that kind of guy. I don't want to talk. Let's just get out there and do it. And uh, that's, I've had more people cry, start coming to church. Because, I mean, I, not manipulation, but, oh, what can we do? Can we pay you, pay you? But, no. I'd love to see you at church. And then they're almost like, I better go to church. And before you know it, they love it. And it's like, got you. <laughs> Every now and then we know what we're doing. But, uh, and, and the things with being in the military, uh, now I know why the Lord kept me alive. He, he had a plan. He had a lot of things for me to do. And uh, at my age, it's amazing to be in decent health uh, and not have to work. You know, not to have to worry about money or nine to five job or none of that. So I'm literally blessed enough to serve the Lord every day. And and it's to me it's amazing because I think that's how we uh we bring people into the kingdom is we show them we love them. We don't tell them, Hey, I love you, good luck. No, I love you. I'm gonna show I'm gonna feed you, I'm gonna give you a jacket, I'm gonna give you a pair of shoes. And a lot of times we don't see the fruit of that labor. A lot of times we'll just dig a little hole, plant that seed. Then you'll come along behind it and water it. Then you can come along behind it and cultivate it. I mean, we are a true body. We all have an important part to play. And uh, that's, that's what we do. That's what can change the world. If, if 12 disciples can change the world, all these churches in this area, if we come to one mind and one accord, it... it there's literally nothing we can't do, especially when, when the Lord's on our side and if we stay humble and give him all the glory and credit and never make it about us. And um, one of my favorite verses that I, I use, that I, and I, I read this a lot, uh, just to remind me, 
uh, and there's a lot of them, but this one I really enjoy, and it's from First uh, Peter chapter five, verse two and three, and it says, "Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve." Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And that just kind of reminds me of why I'm doing it. The Lord wants me to. I, we make the Lord rejoice. We make him happy when we go out and we show love to people and we don't care about their background or we're not judging them. We don't, it's, and, and really, a lot of times, I don't, I don't quote scriptures. I love you. Give me a hug. Here's what you need. And I know God has a sense of humor too because I hate moving. I hate moving. I've done more moving in the last 19 months. I, I'm, Rob's seen a little bit of it. And I mean, but the way that works is I'm going to move. We moved a lady and there was stuff and, and, and I'd known her. Uh, she was a widow, so I'd go fix stuff, do little things. Well, she gave me a bed and a you know, all these other things. I'm like, hey, okay, cool, thanks. And all this stuff started, well, what am I going to do with this? And then a, Austin and his wife move out. They call me like, man, I need a fridge, a stove, a washer, a dryer, a bed, three kids, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'll, stop. I'll be honest, I cried. I was like, bro, I got all that <laughs> in the last eight days. Every bit of that came, <laughs> came in. Sorry, my allergies, you know. But it, it's, it's just, it, I love it. I love the joy He's restored in me happiness, contentment, uh, discipline again, uh, determination, uh, just love, uh, peace. Yeah, I still struggle. Yeah, I get angry. Yeah, I, last night after the revival, we've been, man, it's been a while the last couple of weeks, I raised my voice at a guy because he kept just needling me. And I did, I said, I love you, but I got to quit because I'm getting angry. You know, I'm not nowhere near the man I want to be, nowhere near it. But I thank God that I'm not the man I used to be. And it's not nothing I did. I, I got arrested. <laughs> That's what I did. God did the rest. I mean, really, I got arrested. That was it. The Lord just pop, 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 pop. So, uh... It's, it's just amazing to be uh, a part of it. It's hard. We're going to go through trials and tribulations. We're going to go through that pressing. We're going to go through the heat of refinement to get those things out of us that isn't of the Lord. And uh, he's going to test the genuineness of our faith. You know, he will not tempt us, but he will test our, the, the genuineness in our faith. Uh, he's taught me patience that I still have a, a lot to work on, but... Uh, he will put you in situations where you just have, I have to laugh because it's like, Lord, I, all right, I'm, I, I hear you. I, I, I'm trying to work on patience because I, I, I get in his way. I get in his way by thinking, oh, I got power, love, and a sound mind. I've got experience. I've got knowledge. I die, die, die. And then it's, I'll mess it up every time. I, it'll be 10 times harder than it has to be. But um, it's amazing. Uh, it was amazing to be here. And like you said, it was honestly amazing that we didn't have to do nothing. 
you know, Melissa, I was like, so what we got to do? She said, no, honey, you just, you just, you guys show up. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, what are we bringing? What time are we going to do the set up? When do we need the box truck? What? I said, honey, just show up. And I'm like, wow. You know, so it was amazing. But that, to me, is a celebration and a testament. We are. We are living proofs. We are a testament to God, his faithfulness, his forgiveness, his uncon- amazing and still blows my mind, his unconditional love. Because I, I, I compare, I have a problem with comparing to me. I couldn't love somebody that killed, I don't have kids or anything, but if somebody was wrong to my nephew, I'm not going to love them. I, I'm going to work hard not to do what I want to do in the flesh. And uh, so to think, you know, to try and process the love that God has for us, I can't. It looks like a looks like Hiroshima in my brain, man. It's like, sorry, Lord, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna keep working on that one because I just can't, I can't, I can't get it. But it's amazing. Uh, serving, I believe, is one of the most important things we can do. We can pray for people, and that's very powerful. But a lot of times, people have been hurt from churches. Yeah, we love you. We do this, we do that, and then they don't do nothing. And these people will use those experiences on us. So when we are willing to serve and love on people, and, and truly our most precious gift we can give people is our time. We can always get more money. We can, all, we can go get more shoes, clothes, cars, whatever it is. We will not get more time. So that's the ultimate sacrifice. When you tell somebody, hey, I'm going to show up today, and I don't care if it takes all day, we're going to get this, this mission completed. That, to me, is true love. You're laying your life down. Because I always thought that. I always thought uh, when it said, you know, there's no greater love than when a man lays down his life for his friends. I thought that meant to die for him. You know, literally, I'm going to eat that bullet for you. And truly, being taught again, the truth, what that means is laying your life down, laying down your wants. I want to go work out. I want to go swim. I want to lay around and veg out and watch the game. And those are all good things, believe me, because we need rest. But when you are going back to the military, one of the Army values, selfless service. You put the welfare of others you know, before your own. And... Uh, you know, there's just so many things I look back and just laugh on, like, I think God started the army, like, because we are warriors. There's, you know, the discipline, the battles we go through, the tactics, knowing your enemy, uh, just all these things, to me at least, go hand in hand. It's, 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 it's amazing. But uh, having an unselfish desire to see others do good, I think it's one of the most important things we can have is true love. Love God, love others. I'm still figuring out a lot of it, you know, as I go. But, you know, the Lord's getting me through it. And uh, I truly think we should all strive to be the change we want to be, to be that joyous person, to, to be that hand up, you know, and, and, and show love and grace and mercy and compassion. And uh, I'm just honored. Um, I'm humbled to be a part of such great people. Rob, Melissa, two of the best. Sorry for putting you through it. Sorry, I'm still pitching through it from time to time. Yeah, don't talk back. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> but uh, 
Thank you, Jason. Thank you all for what you did to us. That was a celebration for us. That was a time for us to come and kind of let our hair down a little bit, laugh, enjoy ourselves, and, uh, and show, hopefully give hope to the men that were here. If he'll do it for me, and he'll do it for you and you and you, he's going to do it for you too. I wish you all would have seen me three, three you know, plus years ago. Hopeless, angry, didn't want to talk to you, wouldn't come out of my apartment, you know, just totally withdrew from society. But, uh, but God showed up. He got my attention, and he will. He'll do that. If you keep turning away from his blessings, he finally is like, Psh, I got stuff for you to do, man. Like, I had no other choice. You know, well, I did, but, you know, he put me where I needed to be. He made me be court-ordered because he knew I needed to be. Because it, I'm just being honest. If I would have had the chance, I probably would have left early. But luckily I had that in the back of my head because I'll be honest, I'm so crazy, I got them to finally agree to let me go three months early and I said, ah, I'm good, I'm going to stay. Because my lawyers were like, what is wrong with you? I said, a lot of people are still trying to figure that out. So let's just quit. So uh, really, I give all, God the, uh, all the glory, all the credit. This is nothing I've done except for open my heart, lay things down get into the word, listen, apply it in my life. I'm not special. That's the Lord. He'll do it for all of us, no matter what you're struggling with. It's just having to humble ourselves and be truthful with ourselves, not trying to fake the funk. That's one thing I've noticed. The Lord wants nothing more than genuineness. When I pray, it's like I'm talking like right now. I'll be, man, God, ah. Oh. Don't let me throat punch that dude. Ah, oh, please, Lord. Man, what's up? What are you doing? What's, what am I supposed to know, Lord? I mean, I'm just being real. It's a dialogue. You know, I'm, I'm still working on me sending it up. Now I'm working on him sending it back to me, taking that quiet time to really listen and see what his will is, stay out of his way, and uh, just keep doing it. So... This is a great place. Truly, thank you. We're honored to do this. Uh, I thank you, God. Uh, I thank you all for your service. It doesn't go unrecognized. There, you're touching people's lives when you don't even know it. You know, you, you could literally even save people's lives. You don't know what these people are going through when you give them a hot meal or you're visiting the elderly or you're literally just giving them an encouraging word. So don't ever think it's for naught. Don't ever think you're working and the Lord's not rec recognizing that. Because truly, our ultimate goal, my ultimate goal, is to stand before God one day and to hear him, <laughs> to hear him tell me, well done, my good and faithful servant. And to me, that's just, uh, it, it, it's, yeah, it, it's, that's, that's going to be a heck of a time. I hope heaven's ready to party because I'm, I'm going to want to get down on that day. <laughs> we did it. And uh, I just I, I thank you guys, and uh, I'll quit rambling on now. I love y'all, truly. God loves you. I love you, and I thank you.
just think about it. <laughs>